0: I think one of the biggest things that you can do is keep them updated. But the other thing is provide clarity in what they get.
1: Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land. You know Patch of Land. They've been on the show. Representatives of their company have been on the show many times. They've been a sponsor of this show many, many times. They're back for more because they love you. And they love working with the best ever listeners. And they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates. And that is that it's... The interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that it can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless, and they've got a white paper for you, and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan, so that you truly are getting the best interest rate. Because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff with us today, Ryan Gibson. Hello, Ryan.
0: Hi, Joe. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. And holy cow, before we started recording, Ryan gave me this little nugget. He is joining us from Italy, just north of Rome. He is based in Washington, D.C. Is that where you're based or is, are you in, based on the West Coast in Seattle area?
0: We're actually doing business in multiple states, but we do business in both Washingtons, Washington, D.C. and Seattle, Washington area. Where do you and live? I I live in Seattle. You live in Seattle. Okay. So normally you're based in
1: Seattle. Your company does business on both coasts. Today you're joining us from north of Rome in Italy and we're grateful for that that you wanted to spend some time with us during your vacation. I don't know I don't know if I would have done that, but we're grateful for it nonetheless. Because here's a little bit about Ryan and his company. He's a co-founder of Spartan Investment Group and he has experience ranging from investing in apartments to single family homes, managing renovations, development projects. In fact, Spartan Investment Group has completed 6 projects and they are also focused right now on four projects between the range of two to eight million dollars and in twenty-four months four of those six projects that they completed totaled two point five million dollars with an average ROI of thirty-six percent. I know that because we also interviewed the other co-founder of Spartan Investment Group. His name is Scott Lewis, and his episode number is episode 965, so you can go check that out. Today, we're not going to be repeating the conversation that we had with his co-founder. We're going to be focused on investor relations and how... Ryan and his team are attracting investors and keeping them updated because that is Ryan's responsibility is investor relations with this company. So with that being said, Ryan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus. Yes,
0: yeah, you said something there that I really wanted to stress and that was team and I think that our organization now has a very strong team where I'm now able to transition away from kind of doing a little bit of everything, which we all do in our small businesses, but into more investor relations and attracting capital to our company to make sure that we can go out and do these awesome projects. So when you kind of go around the room, we have five full-time teammates for Spartan Investment Group. One person is totally in charge of our acquisitions, and that's Ben Lapidus. And we have Lindsay Lewis, who is responsible for all of our research. She's actually just developed a system an app that we have internally that grabs 40 data sources and brings together the best deals to the top commercial properties. We're focused on self storage, value add opportunity, and kind of gets us to only look at the deals that we really want to look at that are available on the market. Scott Lewis, the co founder and CEO of Spartan Investment Group, is now focused totally on operations. So he is responsible for the day-to-day permitting activities and also our strategy, as you heard about in the previous call. And then Jackie is involved in our marketing and also supports the operations as well. So as a result, I've been able to go out with our team and raise just a little bit over $5 million for our current and previous projects. And that is my day-to-day role. I'm also a full-time pilot. I fly the 7576 for an airline based out in Seattle. So that's kind of my day-to-day. $5 million, how many investors does that make up? I would say that's
1: probably 15 to 17 investors. Okay. You got 15 to 17 investors. Let's say 17, that's 294. Let's just round it up to 300,000. So 300,000 per investor on average. What are the three main sources for how you originally met these investors who are investing on average about 300000
0: Sure. One of our core values as a company is to develop personal relationships with everybody we do business with. And I feel like we have done a great job in developing relationships with folks that we can instill a lot of trust in. That's previous relationships, it's friendships, and it's also kind of doing things such as going to the best ever Real estate it's conference. A, it's that we a mouthful. To. Yes, <laughs> my conference. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> your conference, which was. Uh, by the way, Joe, I just want to say that it was a great conference. I think it was different than a lot of other conferences in the sense that I felt like the networking was really good, and I felt like the relationships and the side conversations and some of those folks that we met, we still keep in touch with today and have done business with. So I'm really looking forward to going back next year, February 9th and 10th, Denver this All year. Right,
1: BestEverConference.com. Yeah. I appreciate you <laughs> mentioning that.
0: Yeah, no problem. One of our suggestions is get out and do things that aren't real estate related. I think a lot of people focus on just going to real estate meetups and going to these conferences and things like that. And that's really important. But I think a lot of where we develop relationships with people is doing things that we enjoy, such as I enjoy flying. I used to be a rowing coach in Washington, D.C. I enjoy joining running clubs in my neighborhood. I like to sail. I like to ski. We like to travel. And a lot of folks that you meet, you talk about what you do, and they're very interested in being part of your organization and doing things like investing in your projects. And I think that really helps. The other thing that I would say isn't necessarily a source, but just kind of a talking point that helps people is understanding where money comes from. Obviously, there's self-directing accounts such as self-directed IRAs and solo 401ks, cash accounts, leveraged brokerage accounts. You have life insurance policies you can use to invest. You can do a home equity line of credit or leverage against an existing property. And I think kind of having an understanding of a lot of those facets helps people that would normally think that they don't have money to invest say, oh, that's right, I have that old 401k from my previous employer that I have done nothing with, and I have no idea how it's performing. But when I'm presented with the knowledge that that 401k could be rolled over into something else, it really helps them say, oh, wow, that's great. I can actually own part of a self-storage business and not do any of the work and put my money with you someone that I sincerely trust to do the right thing and, and do a good project. So we kind of help facilitate a lot of those things with custodians that we have existing relationships with. So that's kind of something that we've done that's been really helpful for our investors is kind of understanding The best way to utilize their money so they can get the best return on their capital as well.
1: As far as understanding where the money comes from, you mentioned some interesting things like life insurance policies and a home equity line of credit. I've never actually talked to an investor or a potential investor about doing a HELOC or life insurance policies. Certainly, self-directed IRAs come up, but that's it. I've been on the receiving end of, okay, I'd like to invest via this account, but I haven't proactively talked to them about those things. And I think you can get into tricky territory with home equity line of credit where you're barring against the house. So how do you approach your conversations with investors when you're talking to them about the other types of ways where money comes from?
0: Well, I think it's obviously very conversational. And obviously my preference everything with it. I'm not a CPA, I'm not an attorney, I'm not your financial advisor, but there's solutions that allow you to invest that I've personally used and been successful with. So I've used a HELOC to invest, I've used a self-directed IRA, I've used a leveraged taxable stock account. I haven't actually used a life insurance policy yet, but just kind of an idea that's been floating out there and kind of explaining that maybe the best places where I've found HELOCs or custodians that I've really enjoyed working with, just kind of talking through the nuances of how those accounts can work and who they might talk to that, again, someone that I know and trust that has set them up before or a lender that gives you a good rate in terms can really help them make that informed decision.
1: I'm trying to understand where in the process of the conversation are you talking about home equity lines of credit or life insurance policies? Because from my experience, what I've seen is I talk to a a potential investor, and once they're interested, then they say, okay, I'd like to invest via my self-directed IRA, or I've got money I want to diversify with because it's all in the stock market. So they already know. So I haven't thought of the approach of saying, well, in addition, here's this, or I guess there hasn't been a natural segue for me to talk about these other ways to invest.
0: So how does that come up? That's a tricky question. So it's not like I say, hey, have you thought about this and this and this and this and this, and this this is how it all works. I think it's more of just kind of you knowing the dynamics, as basic as it sounds, knowing the dynamics of how a HELOC might work. So that way, when they have a question like, hey, Ryan, I found a lender that will give me prime plus a percentage or a prime rate. And if I draw this much, they'll give me a discount. And does that sound like a good rate in terms to you? And from having that experience and and understanding what the market is offering, I can intelligently respond and say, oh yeah, that sounds good. Or hey, have you tried this bank? Because they might be able to help you out better. And just sort of being able to keep up with the dialogue, I think that's kind of the segue that I'm sort of speaking to. I'm with you, okay. Yeah, kind of having the backstop of knowledge.
1: 300,000 on average per investor. Before we do that average, or heck, I guess I already did the average, but uh, let's put the, let's put that average aside for a second because I have one investor who's invested over 18 million with us. Therefore, that skews the average of everyone else if I include them in there. So my question is, do you have an investor like that that's invested above and beyond the rest?
0: Yeah, we have had a handful of investors that have invested above the rest. I would probably say the mode or the, the most invested would probably be in the 150,000 range.
1: Okay. From the couple that have invested the most, where did you meet him or
0: her? Like I said earlier, basically conferences have been one a place that we've met investors. I've met investors.
1: Not investors, I'm talking specifically those two people who have invested above and beyond what the others. Do you remember where you met those two people?
0: Yes. One investor I met when I was involved in extracurricular activities in Washington, D.C. Okay. And another investor I met at my place of employment. Cool. All right. Deal.
1: So now what you mentioned earlier, you're a pilot, then you're a rowing coach and running clubs, sailing, skiing, traveling. Those are all rich people activities. And- Clearly. Maybe not running, but flying, rowing, sailing, skiing, and you can make an argument about travel. But those other ones, clearly those are rich people activities. If a best ever listener is looking to bring investor money into their deals and they're currently not part of those rich people activities, do you recommend that they start joining those types of activities in order to rub elbows with rich people or do you recommend a different approach?
0: Well, I will say that it wasn't a calculated decision to do those things. Those are things that I really enjoy doing. And naturally, the folks that I have surrounded myself in those hobbies and extracurriculars are, like you said, they might tend to attract a more wealthy person. But I didn't say, ah, I think I'm going to pick up skiing because it's an avenue for me to raise capital, but. As far as recommending people to do things, I recommend people do things that they're really passionate about. I was a rowing coach for five plus years and it was something that I really enjoyed doing. And it was an opportunity for me to really be in a position where I could help people and help high school athletes achieve their goals and adult athletes as well. When you're thinking about what kinds of things I could get involved in, think about the things that you're passionate about and do those things and sometimes you can't think of in this world of real estate we think of i've got to be so efficient with my time i've got to get up i've got to do this i've got to do that but sometimes just letting loose and having some fun and doing things that you really enjoy you'll find yourself surrounding yourself with other people who like to enjoy themselves and maybe they have some discretionary income to invest in your projects so I'm sorry to be so philosophical about no, it. No, I but, love that but, approach.
1: I completely agree. I just had to call it out because that's something that some best ever listeners might've been thinking. I sure. 100% agree with you. If someone does not have an interest in skiing like myself, but then attempts to become a member of a ski club because they that want could be to hang out. Yeah, it'd be, it could be deadly. <laughs> <laughs> it could be deadly, number one. But, but number two, yeah, it, it could be disastrous right. because it just wouldn't be fun. And, I always talk about when I first became an entrepreneur, someone I worked with, she worked at Junior Achievement in New York City and she said you should get involved because it aligns with what you're talking about, finances and learning and helping others. And I did and then I'm now on the board of Junior Achievement in Cincinnati. And through that, I have developed some good investor relationships, but I had no intention at all of ever developing investor relationships and business friendships, it was purely I was interested in doing something and then it just evolved from there. And same with being on the alumni advisory board for Texas Tech, that's evolved into investor relationships, but I had no
0: intention of it happening. So I completely agree, do what you're passionate about first and then they'll fall into place. I wanna make two points to that as well. And that's number one, I've never asked somebody to invest with us directly I'm never doing something just to get investors or whatever. So when you're thinking, how can I get involved? It's something that you got to love to do. And rule number one that I have for raising capital is I never ask for money. Now, it doesn't mean I don't put myself in very uncomfortable situations to progress my career as a real estate syndicator and eventually say, hey, you know that you said you were interested. Are you really interested? Can I do this? But the other thing is adding value to somebody's outlook on a market or real estate, I think is really important too. When somebody's having a dialogue with you in those groups, and they know you as kind of the real estate guy, you can add a lot of value to their personal situation. Maybe you don't flip single family homes, or maybe you're not a real estate agent, but you know enough about that sector that when they ask you a question, you can add value to the discussion by saying, oh, I know this is what you should look for in the title work, or this is a good lender or et cetera, et cetera. So they kind of have a feeling of, oh, wow, this guy's really helpful to me. I would entrust him or her with the capital to invest. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of developing your way of garnering folks to invest, we do a quarterly newsletter and we like to add a lot of value to folks that read our newsletter that may or may not be interested in investing, but that's kind of an in. If they say, hey, Ryan, I've been talking to you. I've known you for a while. I'm interested in what you're doing. Let me know more about it. I say, well, would you mind if we put you on our list of our newsletter? And when that happens, it's a good thing because when our newsletter eventually comes out, that person can kind of understand that, okay, this is what these guys do and they get really comfortable with our projects. And a lot of times folks that I network with may say, you know, I've got a lot of student loan debt, but that's going to go away in a while or I'm not in a position right now, but I might be in the future. No problem. There's never any pressure or arm twisting to do any of these things. And I think that's kind of it goes along with the same philosophy of if you're going to do something for fun, really make sure you enjoy it. Because if you don't and you're kind of a skeezy you know, asking for money all the time, it, it really works in the opposite negative way as well. And I also think that a lot of the folks that do these types of activities, you've got to be kind of at that trustworthy level where you're taking a significant amount of capital and investing it for somebody. That's an enormous responsibility that you have for that person's capital. And I think Scott mentioned at the conference last year, $10,000 is about the average saving of a $100,000 salary. So you're taking $50,000 to invest in a project for somebody, that's five years of savings potentially. That's a very serious thing to do.
1: You mentioned that you have a quarterly newsletter. Is that mailed out or is it emailed?
0: email for now. Email for now. What's in it? We write a market update. So if we're focused on a specific market, we have Lindsay Lewis who does our research. We'll write a quick blurb on we're building a self-storage right now in the Seattle metro area. And she focused in on population trends and housing statistics for the Seattle market, just to kind of give folks a flavor of what's going on in that market right now, which is a lot of good things. We'll also feature a teammate. For example, we just brought on Ben Lapidus, who's our director of acquisitions. So we had a little bio of his background and his kind of resources that he brings to the team. We'll also write an article about a specific topic. Right now I'm focused on self-directed accounts. So my last newsletter included a article on how to do self-directed retirement investing and what it is and what it isn't. And how it might work for a particular situation. And I plan to have a continuation of that knowledge base for our investor group so they can kind of have some opinion on that. And we also kind of let everybody know what our current projects are, we'll send out a few renderings and kind of give an update on kind of the ins and outs of Spartan. Our goal is to let our readers feel like you do your job every day, you're running around, you're doing all these projects, you're doing all these things in your world, but do your fans and your investors, Do they know? kind of what you're up to. So we kind of do like kind of around the room so they can kind of have a purview of what all of our projects are and how we're doing as a company.
1: And I want to just get clarification on the statement you mentioned earlier. You said, I never ask for money. How do you bring in investors in a specific deal where you're raising money? What's that conversation end with so that they know there's an opportunity to Invest. Well, I guess I use
0: that term fairly lightly. So I always let them volunteer that they're interested in investing in our next project. So I never seek out somebody or arm twist or make them feel obligated or have it be awkward. People ask what I do and I have my 30 to 60 second what elevator is pitch. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask. And I was like, should I say this? <laughs> <or should> I- <laughs> No, I just say that we run a real estate development company and we're in multiple states and we raise capital. We find projects. So we find the project. I call it the three Fs. We find the project, we fund the project, we finish the project. So we target and identify under market value properties that either we can improve through forced appreciation or highest and best use. In other words, value add. And then we raise the capital required to either purchase the property outright or using leverage. And then we completely operate the project. So we hire the contractors, we do all the legal work, we do everything that's required to make that project go from A to Z. And naturally that kind of perks interest. Well, how do you get your money? we say that we have a network of investors that raise capital and we provide an annualized return anywhere from 15 to 50%, depending on the project. And that usually kind of creates a conversation. Oh, well, how long do projects take and what do you do and how does this work? And we kind of get into how we do SEC 506 BNC offerings and how all the projects kind of piece together and how we try to beat the market and conservative and our facts and figures and things like that. So that was more than 30 seconds, but it was kind That's of a... That's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for walking yeah, us no through problem. that. All right. What's your best real
1: estate investing advice ever? Based on investor relations, let's keep it focused
0: on that. So three things. Keep your investors updated. We do a quarterly investment update where we look backwards and say everything that we've done for their investment in the last quarter and everything that we plan to do in the future. So the other thing that we do is we actually do video updates. So if we're rehabbing a property, we will show in the video what's happened to the property during the progress. The other thing that we do is we make sure our corporate formalities are done properly. And we always invite our investors to teleconferences where they can ask and answer questions.
1: Is that number two or is this still number one, keep
0: investors updated? Is this part of number one still? Kind of a holistic approach, kind of three within one, I guess. That's kind of the big thing. I think one of the biggest things that you can do is keep them updated. But the other thing is provide clarity in what they get. I read a ton of offering memorandums and I get through the 20 pages of the offering memorandum and I get to the end and I can't understand what I'm getting, how long it's going to take and how I'm connected to the project. And I think the feedback we've received from investors is, I really like your offering memorandums because within the first two paragraphs, I understand how much I could potentially make on this investment. I understand my timeline and I understand how I'm connected to the project. So I think that's a really key thing. And the last thing is, is systematize what you do so you can automate and workflow a lot of the process that's involved with raising capital and doing all this paperwork that the SEC requires.
1: Ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. Let's do it. You're like, yeah, I'm in Italy. I'm ready to go drink some more red wine. Of course I'm ready. All right. First, though, a word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff. To identify the best loan terms, go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellin.com com forward slash show That's dot com forward slash show. Okay, best ever book you've read? Tax-Free Wealth. Best ever system you use to help create a process for investor
0: relations? We've created an entire app suite built from scratch in Podio. Best ever deal you've been a part of? It was our first project actually. And why is it the best ever? Best ever because there was a lot of learning that was involved in it and a lot of profit. A mistake you've made on a transaction. It was a mistake, but the mistake was caught. So that was good. So I always encourage people as a pilot, a very, very thorough due diligence process checklist. And we did all of the paperwork for our SEC raise. We raised all of the money and it was a fast moving deal. We had the close in a week of getting the offer presented to us. We raised all the capital, did all the paperwork, did all the hoopla. We got to the closing table and we could not obtain title insurance. Luckily, no money had moved hands because of our due diligence process. So the investors got all their money back, no problem. But it was a mistake in the sense that we should have probably, instead so before doing the SEC stuff, we want to make sure that we just kind of move that checklist item above raise money and do SEC paperwork. <laughs> what was, it was the issue? A, Are you ready for just a very quick story? Yeah, real real quick. The owner of the house, when he was living, he had dementia and he ended up moving home with his family. The house that we were purchasing that we were going to convert into condos in D.C., guy broke in, changed the locks, forged the title, sold the title as a wholesaler to another investor fraudulently. The title exchanged hands, money exchanged hands, and the family had no idea. When the gentleman finally passed away... They went to the house, the locks were messed up, they went to sell the property, and they realized that had been sold illegally out from underneath them. Hmm. So by the time this came to us, the attorney representing the estate didn't really know that it was that big of an issue. No problem. We got to the closing table and our very awesome title insurance company said, hey, we can't insure you. And we're like, what do you mean you can't insure us? And we went to a couple other title insurance companies. They said the same thing. And finally, I said, what is going on? And they send me this report that all these things happened. (laughs) So Mm. it's very, very important to make sure that you have a very squared away due diligence process, which we did and a lot of people do. But we just wanted to make sure that before money changes hands, that you are in possession of a very clean and clear title.
1: Best ever way you like to give
0: back. I have always been very open to mentoring. And as a coach at heart, I've helped a lot of people in real estate with advice. And also I'm a mentor at my other job. Helping other pilots progress through their careers. And I just really like giving back because I've had a lot of really good teachers and a lot of good mentors in my life.
1: How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you?
0: We have a website, it's spartan-investors.com. Or I don't know if giving out my phone number is appropriate, but uh, whatever. My whatever email you want to do. <laughs> yeah, my email is Ryan R-Y-A-N at Spartan S P-A-R-T-A-N-investors.com. Or my phone is 202-696-5112.
1: Ryan, thanks for being on the show, talking to us about your approach to investor relations, how in a very short period of time, $5 million worth of investors' capital that you are working with and your approach for doing so, the long-term approach, developing those relationships and doing things that you're passionate about. And then those relationships just naturally gravitate to other things. And it's encouraging, I imagine, for a lot of best ever listeners who are doing things they're passionate about but haven't seen some of the fruits of their labor. Well, perhaps continue to do that. And as we've seen with your career, it has worked out. The three points that you mentioned, keeping investors updated, You all do quarterly reports, video updates, and teleconferences to providing clarity in what investors get, the projected profits, the timeline for the project and how they're connected to the deal, and then creating a system. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. Enjoy Italy, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Great. Thanks, Joe. Have a good day. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwelling Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's dwellyn com forward slash show.